Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. And I am your DJ, Rachel Mummert. Today, I have not one, but two co-host DJs in the booth with me. I have with me Dave Palace from 5 Minutes of Mystery and Sean German from The Next Scene Podcast. Welcome. It's really cramped up here in the DJ booth. I, this was big it in the is. 50s, we are like not seeing how many people distancing. you could cram into a DJ booth. We're, we're on topic, you know. This may be the record three. I don't know if you could fit any more people in here. I know. Not safely. Not not responsibly. I, I'm sitting on a stack of eight trays. Yeah. <laughs> so we are talking about section 33, which unfortunately, this is one of those minutes that does not have a song, but... Nevertheless, is a pretty good, pretty good chunk of the American graffiti. So to start out, um, what are your experiences with this movie? Is it have you? Is it one you kind of grew up with, or is it relatively new in your movie rotation? Sean, you go first. You take this. All right, I'll I'll start. Yeah, it's kind of um. There was a big break. Like I definitely saw this not when it was brand new, or I I wouldn't remember. I would have been. I think I was alive, but I would have been too young. I do think I probably caught it on TV at some point in, you know, the eighties, but it wasn't not, it's not part of my regular rotation. So I kind of, you know, had a vague memory and then rewatching it more recently, which, which makes sense. Cause I, it, well, I think that worked out well. I have more of a pre- appreciation for this type of movie and this type of, uh, you know, like the, the plot and the characters. Uh, I think the the first time I saw it, I was in high school, not not a senior, not graduating, not driving yet, not really appreciating the the situation the characters are in, uh, you know, not being able to relate to it. So watching it now as an adult, um, maybe I'm a little bit too far on the other side of like trying to remember what it was like when I was that age. But uh, yeah, so kind of a, a just a big donut in the middle watching it now. I definitely have more appreciation for it as as an adult looking back than I you know did kind of looking forward as, as someone younger than the characters. Dave, what's what's your history? Is this uh, not enough explosions for you, maybe? No, no, I don't want to I don't want to dig the move on explosions. No, no. Well, I, I will say is no, this is the first time was in the last week watching this. And at first, and then maybe this is like I said, this is uh, let's get in the meta. I was like, okay, it's like, uh, it's the only uh, George Lucas movie I haven't seen, I guess. Oh, you got to complete the set. Sure. Yeah, because I was like, you know, we have THX and I have we have Star Wars. But beginning this movie, I was like, all right, well, this is one of these. This is, this is a, uh, a teen teen drama comedy about teens not knowing what they're going to do with themselves. And I was like, I've I've kind of I've seen this before, but I don't want to be mad at it, like the way like. I watched Cabinet Dr. Caligari in college and I was mad at the ending because I had watched like Fight Club and Secret Window. It's like, oh, he's crazy. Like I I saw Mm -hmm. those movies then and then I go back to this 1918 German Expressions film. I can't be mad at it for being the first movie that was doing that at its time. Uh, I think it also like I think the director didn't want to do that ending, but the German government wanted him to do the ending. That's not part of this plot, uh, this podcast. But what I'm saying is that George Lucas does this film. I don't know what movie before George Lucas doing this film did this type of story. So I don't want to ding it. But like in the 90s, I felt like we were getting a hair of the head with these type of these raunchier versions of these teen comedies. And I was mostly like 
not caring, not caring, not caring, because I think it wasn't in my wheelhouse of my age. Like, you're right, Sean. Like, I was too young. I don't understand the whole high school, college mentality of it. It wasn't until super bad. I was in the exact right age and super bad hit me like right in the side of the head. I think I saw it as a matinee date with a girl. And the first like five minutes of them going to the convenience store and just talking all this trash and nonsense. I remember just laughing so hard. And then I remember the girl turning to me and be like, do you guys talk? And I go, yes, <laughs> this is what we do. We do this every day. And just, I'm just <laughs> laughing, full bore laughing, being like, I've had these conversations at Wawa about dumb high school stuff and like what we're going to talk, do it, go to college and where we're going to go and what's going to happen to us. So, yeah, you know, I'm watching the beginning of this film. I'm kind of like, oh, I'm on board. I'm kind of like, I see this. And all I'm really noticing is that these cars are going in circles. You're seeing the same blocks, same streets. But, 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 and I don't know if George Lucas meant this as, as like a, on a meta level or not. When our characters start going outside of town, start going outside of their comfort zone, outside of mm-hmm. their circle, the movie then, bam, it picks up immediately. And I was like, oh, now I'm hooked. I don't think, I think it hit me, the liquor store scene, I think it's hit me, because we've all seen liquor store scenes in comedies, where how you get the liquor, you know, whereas like with McLovin and and Jonah Hill, they had these like elaborate scenes that they're going to get shot because they're getting liquor and the guy's going to find out, and the security guard's going to shoot you. And then there's a, it's a comedy of it. Whereas in this movie, he, you know, first he's too scared to talk to the, the, the older guy, <laughs> then gives the money to the bum, the bum grabs the booze and leaves. Then I guess he gives it to the guy who then just steals the bottle and then gets shot at by the owner. <laughs> and I think that's when I started. Like I was like, okay, now I'm like, now I'm in. Like now, like we're out. This Terry's clearly outside his comfort zone, and now we're starting to see Steve, you know, come to the end with Laurie at this point, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, when he said that, oh, something to remember you you by. I was like, wow, Steve, you just like you've turned Laurie as a person into like this. This object of like, well, I gotta, you know, we gotta make out here in the middle of t- you know, the end at the end of town, or else, you know, what's it gonna be for? She had every, you know, I was so happy she kicked him out because it's so funny. It's so so funny. We, you know, Ron Howard playing an absolute sleaze dickhole. So it, it it's so good. Like we start our section here of him just like <laughs> in the dirt, Laura leaving him in the dust, uh, and then Terry kind of like, you know. His bravado of like all these all these white lies and all this stuff about how cool he was is like now he's like gotta take the walk of shame back with Debbie back into town <laughs> and essentially she's doing the 1960s version of like a podcast that, or a Netflix that she watched. She I watched this documentary about the yeah, goat killer exactly. and he kills his victims. I was watching it's a really good documentary and like let's do a of course, yeah. of course it's true crime. It's yeah. a true crime podcast. Oh my god! And he switches her body parts. And- <laughs> yeah, I I, yeah. I, see, I I really I love relating like yeah to Terry being like yeah somebody get up and your girl like I gotta tell you about this crude true crime you know I I watched I I really was I really enjoyed it. So yeah, like you're right. This this scene there's no crazy. <laughs> cars there's no there's no rockabilly music but i i I enjoyed this both these like these quiet scenes of both our characters being literally in the sticks being like oh crap what do i do now so i know i felt like this was a really key scene and i think the lack of of a song like the lack of music kind of focuses us on more more on the characters or at least did for me and i think you kind of hit on i think that like the i wondered that discussion of the goat killer and kind of talking about the the goat's heads and I, I'm wondering what 
kind of what they're going for with the symbolism. Is this, you know, kind of the blood meaning menstruation, kind of meaning or implying a sexual maturity? And that, uh, you know, Debbie's all about it. Debbie's talking about, you know, talking about this killer, talking about the body parts being switched later on where there's like a sound off in the in in the woods. Like, oh, maybe we'll see, you know, maybe we'll see what's happening. And and Terry doesn't want to see, you know, doesn't want to see anything and kind of changes the subject is kind of. I kind of took that as meaning like he's, um, you know, he like he's been like physically he's sexually mature. I'm, I'm sure he's he's been through puberty, but. Like emotionally, he's not really mature. He's not on her level yet. He's not ready to deal with kind of that yeah. side of of being an adult. They're kind of like they're just, you know, maybe they're the same age. You know, maybe they're both just graduating high school, but they're just on the other side of that line. Like one is the really young adult, and the other one's the really old child. Mm, I like that. Yeah, it shows there's there's more to Debbie. She's not an airhead. You know, she yeah. She yeah. she she watches and she reads things and you know yeah. the fact that she's telling that story I don't yeah I don't think it's a throwaway thing it's she's kind of like you know I'm gonna tell you about this really interesting thing that like I I found interesting this you know so I think yeah if Debbie was around today she would definitely be like ha- making a blog of like top top you know true crime documentaries to to check out yeah well particularly in this situation it's not like they're parked at the drive-in and she's talking about you know or. Or, you know, it comes on the radio where they say, be on the lookout for the goat head killer. Like, they're out, they're in the middle of nowhere. Not maybe not nowhere, but like they're walking into town. Their car was stolen. It's completely dark. They're defenseless. Like, if anything happens, like Terry's not going to defend you. She's all on her own. Yeah. But she's not, you know, and, you know, talking about like really spooky stuff. Like, yeah, this killer that they thought had left town, but now they, they found these two bodies and everything. Like, and she's not, you know, she's not spooked by it. Not, not to the extent that Terry is kind of showing her. Yeah. It's like more character there. And I love that role reversal of like, she's telling him the story (laughs) and he's freaked out other than, you know, then. Yeah. And just that it was like two days ago, you know, he's like, she's like, yeah, mm-hmm. they found him at the canal like two days ago and <laughs> all these goat's heads around him. And-, <laughs> and he's thinking, who do you think are going to gonna win at regionals this year? I know. What does he's he even just- talk like regional what? That's what I, I wonder if he's just like, you know, when you're just like, hey, sports, you're like, hey, how about that football game last night? <laughs> it's like, which one? <laughs> I was actually thinking now, because, you know, you know, Debbie's talking about this. I was actually trying to think about what was in George's mindset back then when he was writing it. And I was like, all right, you have the Manson. Let's talk kills. Manson. Mm-hmm. That's in the late, uh, late 69. Uh, five five people murdered in the hills. Zo- Z- Zodiac. Yeah, Zodiac Killer. And uh, the Golden State Killer that like did not get caught until I think it was, like, what, I was what, five the years ago, mindset. I think. I was trying to think of. So he's killing in the 70s. So that's in, that's in George's mind. Manson's in his mind. Zodiac, R- R- Night Stalker's not for another 10 years. Night Stalker's 80s. Uh, Hillside Strangler's late 70s. So this is all like, you know, like this is definitely George's mind of being like, these kids are having a fun night out. But it is kind of like a real reality check of being like, yeah, you're in your little town. You're going your little, in your car with your girl and you're driving in circles. And then it's like you go outside your comfort zone and you think about, oh, yeah, there's crazy people out there doing crazy things and zodiac made a whole 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 thing about like finding finding young teenagers in their cars and shooting them and stuff so yeah it definitely it definitely shocks terry to his system and i always wonder too at the age that you know they're 
and they are in this movie, like the teenagers, you, those stories, you know, you always, they're always intriguing because of all the, you know, the crime and the violence and stuff. But at that age, you still have that, you, you know, I, I'm invincible kind of mindset mm-hmm. where it sounds cool and you hear all these things, but you're, it's just, you know, you don't think that will happen to you or the people you're with. And that made me wonder too if that 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 was their mindset like oh yeah you know the goat killer but <laughs> we're invincible we're not gonna that's not gonna happen to us yeah I play into that and then also the the kind of street racing scene that uh maybe terry isn't as much into but that some of the other characters are it's like you know they're not worried about a car crash i'm sure there's you know they well they didn't even i don't think airbags were even invented at this point but i assume no one's wearing seatbelts this time but yeah they're all yeah, at that age, you're you're invincible. You're going to live forever. You're not really thinking long term or anything's going to happen unless you're Terry, and then you're just a little worry wart. And then the one time you let your guard down, the car gets stolen. I can't think of too many movies. I mean, I'm, I'm hey, in the comments, you know, at, at the Mel's Diner, please put it in. But like movies, I feel like you would fall into two categories. Either it's the 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 beach summer boppity movie that like Elvis mm-hmm. would do where everyone's just having fun and it's you know high jigs glory or I mean like when was when was you know got called Rob Blackout when was Halloween like when was like the beginning of the slasher movies or like because it's like either you have goofy seventies yeah yeah you have you have goofy goofy movies where there's no real you know, no real conflict no one's injured. Then you have like fantastical films where like you know you're getting into horror, you're getting into aliens, monsters from beyond the mountain or and, mm-hmm. and, and slashers. It's like where does a movie have it where it's just about teenagers and then it goes like, oh, by the way, like they're still in the real world and a real killer could come out and really kill you. I just think that's – I can't think of like a movie that would have hmm. talked about that back then. Hmm. I feel like it would have yeah. been put into a genre. Like you don't – you don't discuss it because it's a teen bopper film or you make that the point of your film and you know all these characters are disposable for the for the killer for the monster huh. yeah it's interesting because w- w- dave you were early, earlier talking about other similar movies that this kind of reminded you of or, or movies you'd put in the same category and kind of one movie that i thought of in terms of the end of the school year or the end of the summer or you know everyone kind of pondering you know kids pondering like the next stage of life i thought of dazed and confused but this is kind of like, yeah, what if you had dazed and confused, but there's a serial killer <laughs> wandering around the, the town while everything else is going on, you know, that last day of school. Like this has got, you know, it's it, it, it's similar in a lot of ways, but then it's got sort of a serious tinge to it. And then you've got like the ending, which is, yeah, you know, imagine, yeah, the, the end of dazed and confused, like just a, a some kid shows up and like shoots up the ball game or something yeah you know, not 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 that it's there's anything that extreme but like there's there's death in this film where you talk about you were talking about like super bad or or porky's kind of other teenage comedies that it's like not too many people die in those yeah <laughs> in some sense it's just kind of a silly teenage or it's it, not silly but i guess light as most teenagers at this point are don't take anything too seriously. And then the movie kind of follows that vibe. But at the same time, there's there's some aspects to it that are much more serious than, you know, teenagers kind of usually realize life can be and, and more serious than other movies of this type usually are. This particular section of the film and kind of this serious talk and, and 
mention of bloody goat heads and switched around body parts and everything else. And it's not, I mean, I could see, you know, you know, if you were, if it was the seventies and you were kind of a teenager and you were watching this, that you may get a laugh out of this scene, but the way it's, the way it's presented, the way it's set up, like it's not, it's not jokey. It's not kind of not played for comedy. Yeah. I think it's, I had a conversation with my folks a while ago when um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out because they they liked it because of uh, the 70s. Stuff. They're like, why is this guy be so violent at the end? And I was like, hey, you know, it's Quentin Tarantino that's doing violence. But I was like, I was trying to explain. I was like, I was like, I was like, you had to look at this from a guy who loved movies. He loved the idea of Hollywood. And then, you know, and he knows and, and, and he knows that when Manson killed those people in the Hollywood Hills, it was a cold bucket of water reality. That the, the dream is gone. That the magic of California and now it's now it's this. You know, there's and there's movie there's other movies writers that talk about like like I think Shane Black's really good of showing how like underneath the glamour glitz of the California is this horribleness of just like you know uh, either of class war of of people out in the of killers of of, of bad people out there that are that are hurting people and I was trying to tell my folks I was like I was like he's purposely making a br- he's purposely hurting these killers he's purposely killing and burning and manging these killers because he wants he wants he wants that cathartic release of like you killed a pregnant woman in the hills for a, a crazy cult leader and if and if we stopped you beforehand you know Sharon Tate would have been alive and mm-hmm. Hollywood might have been different in some way who knows it was hard for me to explain that to my parents they just saw the violence as the violence I was like you had to see it the same way, you know, a mosquito bites you and you you want to get that mosquito. It's that feeling of just like, I need to punish you for 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 the bite there that you 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 did to me. So I, that's is it like not, not you know maybe that's in the back of George's head, just being like he's bringing a little cold buck of reality to this this high school thing. He's making these kids think a little bit bigger terms. And he's putting them way out their comfort zone where if you showed this isolated clip to someone, they might think they're in a horror film. They don't, they, if they don't, if they you go, here's a clip of a movie. What do you think? They go, Oh, this is like a horror film. These kids are going to get killed. The woods. You go, actually, no, like that's not what this movie's about. It's, but it's, it's an interesting piece to show. And then Steve shows up. And then Steve shows up. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, well, Steve's going to get killed. And you're like, technically. <laughs> No, he's a dick, but you, 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 at all, all points says he should be slaughtered right here and there by the slasher, <laughs> but he doesn't. His head should be on a goat, you know, a big goat horn by now, but it's not. <laughs> and I love the background that we get of first the goats and then Terry, you know, freaks out. He's like, what is that? And then you get that back, you know, of the heartbeat, the heartbeat, the heartbeat. <laughs> Just to, you know, to drive home that point of... Of the terror that probably Terry feels. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Terry's yeah. heart would be killing him. He goes from like from intimacy with a woman to the fear <laughs> of the car gone to the fear of getting killed out in the woods to like now the nervousness of. <laughs> they run to the Steve now. He's like nervous of like is Steve going to call me out on not having the car? And you know when you talk about you know making out and then the car stolen, it, you know if you like you said you know if you just watch this. It's a very, you know, it's a very formulaic, like, okay, you know, the two teens are making out, one of them, you know, they're going to get killed, you know, <laughs> in the classic horror movie sense. As we all know, as, 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 as protocol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if this, if this was a horror film, definitely, well, Steve would get it. 
I mean, Steve would get it. He's like the first one because he's the horniest. Mm-hmm. He, he's got to go. <laughs> I think Terry would go. I don't know. Debbie's Debbie's got a shot. Debbie's so the final was, girl. Debbie's final girl. She's gonna she's gonna pick up the axe or the shotgun and blow the killer away. We all know that. Yeah, though I, you know, and we, we were just talking about like kind of how kind of fleshed out and mature Debbie is as a character. But then at the end here, she's not picking up what Terry's laying down. When Terry's like, you know, Steve's, <laughs> you know, what happened to the car? And Terry's like, oh, yeah, it's, oh, it's in the garage, you know, for safekeeping. <laughs> not, and then Debbie doesn't seem to realize, like, he's, he's not, he, he doesn't have some other car that's in the garage. He's trying to cover up for the car that was just stolen. So Terry's like, oh, yeah, the, the car's in the garage. And she's like, oh, good thing, because ours was just stolen. Like, she doesn't pick up what Terry's kind of like, you know, ixnay on the Olin's day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I'm like, I don't, I was listening to that. I'm like, wow, she doesn't know that that is not Terry's car. Like, he he was too busy trying to impress her and everyone else that he never told her. Like, oh, by the way, this isn't my car. (laughs) Yeah. I guess, I mean, she's too nice of a person. She's been taking Terry as honest this whole night. And all Terry's been feeding her is like... White lies on white lies, and you know she. You know we're gonna get to later in the film where I think she finally, yeah, she finally sees through all the lies that Terry said, but she still sees him as a good person. I think he, he just was, God, he's just super nervous. He's like, oh wow, this nice blonde girl's talking to me. I can't tell her my, oh, I drive this little Vespa, and uh, you know my buddies like to make fun of me the whole time. Depant and pants me in public. Pants him. <laughs> the pants him. Yep. Uh, yep. I still feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he would have been like if he if he had been honest. And I don't know. I mean, it, Debbie does come around to like getting after she gets to know him. I think in the beginning, if he's like, "Hey, I don't have a car. I I just have you know a Vespa," she probably wouldn't have given him the time. You know, wouldn't have given him too much attention. But someone would have, and then maybe that's someone he should be spending time with. Someone who kind of is more appreciative of what he is, not what he's pretending to be. Except for the pants part, I don't think anyone wants to know. Yeah. No one's that nice to be like, "Oh, I want to hang out with the guy who's been pantsed." <laughs> have you ever, Dave? Were you ever pantsed? No, no, I'm serious. I've never, never been pants, thank God. Never. Never, thank God. All right, I got to get in touch with some of your friends. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby. I didn't. I, 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 I lucked by, man. I, didn't, I don't get. I mean, I might have gotten like, I'm trying to think, noogies, wrestling, maybe a little. Yeah, a little horseplay, probably. Mm-hmm. But no, I think we're all like, we're all pretty decent guys to each other. I don't think we ever like. <laughs> Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think a few harmless pranks, but no, I don't think anyone ever was like, "I gotta ruin your your underwear and your and your uh, your undercarriage." <laughs> I'm very curious where 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 do you think Debbie was, you know, beginning this film, like you know, but right before we meet her, like because she looks so like I don't know, I wouldn't say down, but just like she was leaving somewhere she didn't want to be, and I'm just I don't know, was she at a party? Was she at a different diner? A different drive-in? She, you know, she doesn't act like she was someone's betrothed or she was going steady with anyone. She does seem to be taking this thing whole in stride, like in terms of like, oh, this guy drives me out to the middle of nowhere and now I got to walk back. And I guess, she, you know, it's not like he just left her the way Lori left Steve, but still like she seems pretty cool about the whole thing. So maybe she's kind of used to it. Maybe like she was at the drive-in with some other guy and he just took off and left her there. So she's like, oh, maybe I'll get a ride from this guy. Seems nice. The, the, the vibe I get is that, yeah, she's not in a rush to get anywhere with anyone specifically. And I guess I'm just, I'm just, I guess I could give her props on having a nice positive attitude for being like stranded in the woods. Like she's not complaining. She's not ye- yelling or raising her voice. 
she's just kind of like, all right, well, you know, here we are. And uh, it's kind of funny. I was just thinking about the goat killer. That's all. Just, 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 keep, just keep positive. Yeah. So what what time is it? Is it? I'm trying to judge by how far we are through the movie because the whole thing wraps up. It's like 5 a.m. So is it maybe 11, 11.30 by now? Like it's pretty late, right? Because I dance. Just, just think, like, like Dave saying, like she doesn't seem to be any like particular hurry. Like she doesn't have to get home or anything. And all these kids, they're like, I mean, they just graduated, but they're like 18, 19. They're living with their parents, maybe 17. Like they're not. I don't know. I don't remember being quite that independent at that age where I could stay out till 5 a.m. and no one was looking for me. How about this, Rachel? What do you know about like arcades and drive-ins back then? Like what was their, what was their hours of operation? The last, oh, like, then. we're going to see drive-ins and we're going to see arcades and they're not closed yet. So clock that as like, when was, when was that happening? Hmm. So I'm trying to think of like drive-ins when I went. Uh, it'd definitely be like 10 after 10. I'd say like, so I'd say definitely maybe like 10, 1030 later than that. Yeah, because Steve still has to get there and still talk to uh, a Buddha. I don't know why her name's Buddha, but he's still got to get to talk to her. I know. <laughs> so I was thinking about the, you know, the whole goat killer story or line here. <laughs> Do you guys have any local like urban legends or you know such ghost stories where you grew up or where you live now that could rival the goat killer story <laughs> oh i mean yeah jersey obviously we have the jersey devil um, oh yeah but jersey devil i mean yeah we haven't really heard from the jersey devil no there's no, no new stories i'll say like I, a lot of the jersey devil stories are around like early 1900s and occasionally someone they said seen something, so it's definitely like an old timey legend. I don't feel like you, you hear much about him anymore. <laughs> um, you don't really hear about Bigfoot in New Jersey. There's no Bigfoot in the Pine Barrens. That's that's more of like yeah, that's that's more of like Pacific Northwest or like maybe you hear about like somewhere in the Appalachian Trail, like maybe goblins or something. But that, that's 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 not in our our neck of the woods, really. I mean, technically, technically. Jaws is based on the originally a story about a shark that was eating people in the early, I think the late 1800s off of the Jersey coast. Yeah. Well, no, that was actually, well, it actually swam up. I think, was it Red Bank? Like the shark actually swam up a river and you had people like inland, like it wasn't even on the, the coast where people were getting attacked. Like a, one shark like swam up a river inland. Yes. And it was, and was attacking people yeah I, the book's called i think 18 days or it's, it's something like that where it's about like yeah like whatever this time period was where they're just like wasn't safe to go in the water what about yeah you, I think any place any place where i lived or you know growing up you know the, the shark stuff in jersey was all before my time and now I, i'm up in massachusetts and there was like the boston strangler but again that was before my time i can't think of anything like that was going on while i was around that at least that i was aware of that we know about Fortunately, <laughs> I'm trying to think here in Ohio, um, where I grew up, we kind of had like a local legend called, it was on like a, a bridge called, and they called it the Screaming Mimi Bridge. There's a lot of different stories as to actually what happened there. I've never actually been to the site. So it's one of those where you, you know, you drive your car on the bridge and you're supposed to like shut your car off and beep the horn and you're supposed to be able to hear like screaming Mimi. 
Because a lot of it's, you know, you know, high school romance gone wrong or she jumped off the bridge and those kind of ghost stories from where I grew up. But yeah, we don't like, you know, we don't really have. So like a, a Bloody Mary, but with a bridge. Yep. Yep. That's a good. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody Mary. Always that whole backstory always terrified me. So I never tried that before. <laughs> yeah, there's I know New Jersey has Clinton Road, but that's way north of me. And I've never been there, so I can't speak of it. But Clinton Road, I know in New Jersey, apparently is a very haunted road. Like there's a thousand stories about different things that happen there. And I'm sure there's a bunch of stories of if you go on Clinton Road and yeah, you bring your car and you honk your horn and turn your lights on something, something. Yeah, I, I haven't been there, but isn't. There's like a spot where if you put your car in neutral, it'll like it'll roll uphill. Oh, gravity roads, yeah, yeah. That's all. Like, yeah, that's, most of those weird New Jersey stuff. It's like ninety percent for some reason all in North Jersey. Like South Jersey, mm-hmm. we get like no. I don't even. Is it either no one's reporting it or there's nothing spooky too much in the, <laughs> much in the South Jersey area? Because it's all like yeah, it's all like super north of Trenton or it's like just south of New York. And I'm like, that's all. That's all North Jersey nonsense. <laughs> So I wondered in watching this section too, when, um, or a couple things, I think, when, um, you know, they hear the sound and I love when Terry's like, you stay here, I'll go for help. And, you know, he's ready to be, (laughs) it's one of those things where, you know, he wants to go get help, but he doesn't stop to think like, okay, I don't want to, you shouldn't leave her by yourself. I, I like that aspect of it, or he's trying to do the right thing, but in... In the wrong process, oh, yeah. doing it in the wrong way. <laughs> well, where is he going yeah. <laughs> when he says he's going know, for help? Because it's kind of like, I mean, he, he says he's going for help, but in effect, what happens is he leaves her out in the open and he like goes <laughs> hides in the trees. Yeah. <laughs> I assume they're taking this. Yeah, I assume they're taking this road that they're walking down. I assume is the road that you would take to get help and or go back to town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it seems pretty well, pretty well marked, or that it's part of a marked trail. And then I also kind of wondered about when Steve finds him, and when um, Debbie kind of disappears or hides in the bushes. If it's just circumstance that she's trying to find, you know, somewhere else to go or help, or she's legitimately trying to scare him and. <laughs> Because at first when I watched a minute, I was like, is Steve in on it too? Like, did they plan this? <laughs> but then I wasn't <laughs> sure. <laughs> I guess I have to assume is that, that yeah, like Steve and Terry both came out to wherever this area is to, to make out with their, their, their significant other for the evening. And and now everyone was <laughs> just like, I would say the longer shame, but Laurie's dri- just driving back to just get back to town. <laughs> She's just like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with Steve. Yeah. Did anybody have anything else for this particular section? No, I mean we're all just taking this introspective walk back. We're all just trying to trying to keep our thoughts from going too far out into the many monsters and 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 and, uh, and killers out there. They're gonna cut our heads off and put it on goat bodies or whatever, whatever they do. So um, <laughs> just uh, just stay positive and just uh, calmly walk back to town. Yeah, yeah. Strength in numbers. Yeah, yeah that's that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, Sean, did you have anything you wanted to plug for um, your podcast where listeners can go or pages on social media they can go to follow? Sure. Yeah, I'm over at 5 Minutes of Mystery. I talk about the 
1999 superhero comedy ensemble Mystery Men. And I have my own little Facebook group, the Champion City Lakeside Diners, that they want to talk any more. I don't know, special, blue plate special they saw at their favorite diner. I'm more than happy to listen to that. And uh, Sean and I, we did, a f- we wrapped up Groundhog Minute, where we covered Groundhog Day one minute at a time. Had a lot of fun with there. And it wasn't the same minute, like yeah, over and over. It was different ones. <laughs> no, we didn't just cover the same minute every day. Though we could have. <laughs> we could have done it. And no one would have known. You. No one would have known. Just would have fit right in. But now we, we covered the, yeah, covered the whole film Groundhog Day one minute at a time. That's still up at, at groundhogminute.com. I currently do a show with my brother, Next Scene Podcast, at nextscenepod.com and, and Next Scene Pod on the social media. And that's where we're taking on pop culture one scene at a time. And all my, all my podcast stuff, Next Scene Pod, Groundhog Day, Spinal Tap Minute, uh, all my guest appearances, including this one, are at catandshawn.org. It's C-A-T and Sean, S-E-A-N dot org. And that links to uh, links to all my podcast stuff. So you check that out. And listeners of this podcast can join our groups on social media at Mel's Listeners Drive-In. And I just wanted to thank both Sean and Dave for being on today and adding their perspectives into this movie, this cultural classic, I, I suppose. No, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to, happy to be on. I'm I'm glad I finally got to watch it, and uh, we got to take our, we got to take our little our little stroll in the woods and think about yeah, it. Yeah, a nice little nighttime. Yeah, thanks thanks for having us. This was fun. All right, well, listeners, join us back here tomorrow for another episode of American Graffiti, one song at a time.